You know, what I love about God is that, like, it's cool, like, how he works things together. Um, I didn't talk to the worship team, and um, that song fits right in what we're talking about today. So it's very cool, um, even how they sung that part over again. And it's just cool. Um, like, I don't know the exact lyrics of that song, but it just talks about how there is no one beside you. There's none like you. Like, open up my eyes. Like, that's just crazy that there is no one like God. And so, and, and we treat him like there's others like him. Like, we get like, and the Bible tells us and it warns us to not get like that. And we still do. I still do. We get, our hearts get hardened by his beauty. Our hearts get hardened about how awesome he is. So anyways, uh, it's just cool. I appreciate it. Put your hands together for the worship team, man. Like lyrics like that, I don't know, man. Yeah. One day you'll figure it out. One day I'll figure it out. And I, and, and I think... And I'm, I'm going to try my best to wait till tonight, I mean tomorrow night, um, to really help you understand it a little bit before we leave um, the ultimate moment. Because I think people, like how can you be in heaven and see that all day and every day and it just still your heart get hardened by it? And it's just like having somebody like, I know y'all too young and none of y'all have ever had girlfriends and boyfriends. None of y'all. I know that. None of y'all. None of you guys ever had a boo. Because you're too young. You're not focused on that. You're focused on Jesus. All of you. You've never seen Justin Bieber or Fever or whatever his name is or other people that I don't know. You never say, oh, he's hot, or she's fine. You've never seen none of those people because you only think about Jesus and Bible characters. But <laughs> one day when you get older, like 47, and you finally look at somebody and be like, they're their ankles are nice. They have, they have nice ankles. Uh, <laughs> you're going to look at somebody's beautiful ankles and be like, their ankles are so put together. Look at the beautiful ankles that God has formed on that lovely young person. And, and then and, and, and you're going to look at that and, and, and one day... You're going to look at their ankles so much, and then you're going to be like, I wonder what their kneecaps look like. Wow. Wow. Because you're going to get tired of looking at their what? Ankles. But, but why? 
Because at one point, their ankles was their hottest thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? No. What I'm saying is, how is it that the beauty of the ankle decreased? And that's what I believe was what happens with God. That somehow, some way, we get tired of him doing one thing in our life that we need to see something bigger and better. And when it comes to God, it's that same thing. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. And you get tired and you need to see something greater. You need to see something more grand. And you need to see, okay, God, it was this little blessing here, so I need to do this. And it's like that with relationships as well. So today, um, and this is all going to fit together. I just felt like I needed to say that, especially with the song, like, God, open up my eyes that I just see your wonders. But I feel like in relationships, especially when we're talking about these friends, like, we get tired and we just miss out on the beauty of the simple things that we need to see more and more and more, but we miss out on this moment of the things that used to really capture us. Like the trees in this lake, some of us have been coming here for the last four years or three years, that doesn't, like we're not in awe of that anymore. But I'm, like, I, I still have to look at it like, that is still awesome, this view. And I have to really look at the simple things. So, it brings me to this point. What, like, do you, have you ever met someone that was conceited or thought they were all that? They, you know, like, they thought they was just... Huh? They thought they was the stuff. Because last night I felt like we, we talked about a deep subject, and I think it hit home with a lot of people. Am I right or am I right? All right. Like, it, it hit home. And so I don't want to go too deep today because I don't want to, like, that was a, like, that was a sensitive thing, and I don't want to, like, go back to back with some deep stuff. So hopefully this message is a little bit lighter, but it teaches home. Uh, reaches home a little bit because um, last night I even had to decompress a little bit had to go back to my uh, cabin and really think about still like some of the things I need to work on with my brother because I'm not I don't want to preach a message and, and I don't want y'all to think like oh Leo has it all together no there's still some things I have to work through with my brother there's some things that we are still like that was a traumatic experience for my brother from um late eighth grade through uh, even through like early college years of how I used to treat him. Our relationship was tent, like a tense thing, so it wasn't going to go away just because of this near-death experience. And like he didn't even remember, like my parents had to tell him how I came in and stuff like that. Like he had to, like he cried and stuff like that, but it still didn't wipe away how I treated him. So he felt like I was conceited, I was prideful, and so part of that and part of this message today is have you ever met anyone that wasn't confident but they were conceited? Like they thought they were all that. 
And they just thought that they were just the biggest and the baddest in town. They were beautiful, and they used to TikTok all day showing everybody how, what I, then they'll put no filter. This is how I look when I wake up. Yeah, right. You plump something. I don't even know what that means. Like, they take their shirt off, and it just looks like they didn't did 1,000 push-ups. 1,000. 1,000. That's a math equation. Put it down. 1,000. Conceited. And so we're about to read this story. I love it. It's one of my favorite stories of the Bible. I say that a lot because I have the Bible is my favorite, so I say my favorite a lot. Is this story right here is going to show you like the difference between confidence and what conceited looks like. And we're going to talk again about my guy, Paul. Because I told you in the morning we we're going to talk about Paul, and then we we're going to talk about other characters in the evening. I'm not speaking this evening, correct? Good, because I didn't have a story this evening. So I was going to let Paige preach tonight. Uh, she was like, let's go. All right. So Paige, come on up. Here we go. Let's go to this story in Acts chapter 16. Y'all ready? Clap three times if you hear me. Clap five times if you hear me. All right. Clap four and a half times if you hear me. know what to do with that half. Here we go. Acts chapter 16, one of my favorite uh, stories. My guy Paul, this is a cool story. I'm going to try my best to allow Paige to go through this with me not interrupting her. Y'all not, you know that's not going to work, right? But I said I'm going to try my best. Confidence, so those are the two words, confidence and conceited. All right, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Are y'all alive today? Y'all ready? Stand up. Stand up real quick. Stand up. I feel like I ain't got no energy. Look at your neighbor and just give him one big hug. All right, have a seat. All right, here we go. Some of y'all going to choose a different neighbor tomorrow. All right. Here we go. Acts chapter 16. Stay with me. And the reason why I have Paige read, read this is because I want you to understand that you can read this Bible, and it's not just me. Like, you can read this just like Paige read it, and it can have the same effect. Like, it's not me reading it, because sometimes I believe that when I read it, y'all going to be like, oh, see, he makes it feel like, oh, like, Paige is reading this. She does a great job reading it, and, like, you don't have to have Paige on Audible at home. Like, it's you reading it, and, like, you can see this, and, like, man, she can read it. She's about the same age as me, and, like, it sounds good. It looks good, and, it's man, it's, it's better than Netflix. It's better than Disney+. Plus. Like, this is a great thing. So you can read this just as, like you're reading it with her. So let's do this. Uh, Acts 16, verse 16, we're going to read this, uh, and let's read this story. Go. One we're going to 34. To 34? Yes. Okay. I might stop you. Okay. 
Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a Remember, slave Remember, we're talking about friends. And he says we. Go ahead. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Mm. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Mm-hmm. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Mm-hmm. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Oh, he became what? Annoyed. Some version says annoyed. So it's okay to be what? So don't think that you, it's okay. Remember we talked about that last night? It's okay. Like it's not a sin. Don't, like God, like it's okay. And look what he does when he becomes annoyed. Boom. Go ahead. At that moment, the spirit left her. He prays the spirit out. Don't be trying to lay hands on your sisters, though. <laughs> like, demon, come out of her. All right. Go ahead. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. So they lied. They're mad because now this woman was making money for them. They're mad. And so they lie about Paul and his team, and they're mad that this lady is now making, not making money for them anymore. And so the city is up for an uproar, but the, really they're mad because their money are go- is gone. Keep going. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Remember, we talked about this. Paul is, again, beat, and now his, his clothes are stripped, and he's thrown into what? Thrown into what? All right, here we go. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their, seat, their feet sorry, in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So midnight, in the uh, center of the jail, this... Uh, guard has been ordered to watch them. Now, this is a big deal. Like, if they are escaped, like, he, he knows, like, this is his job. This is his duty. Like, if they escape, he will be killed if they escape. Just want to get some kind of background. Keep going. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke some up. Some of them? Okay, how much is all? Okay, keep going. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Because it only makes sense. People in jail don't want to be there. Really? Yeah. People in jail, if I was in jail, doors are open, it would look like it's a miracle. It seems like God would open the door, especially if I'm Paul, it's a miracle. God opened, like, I would be like, I'm singing hymns. Lord, open up my eyes in wonder. That's a B flat. Thank you. No, don't clap. Because I don't do this for you. I do it for Jesus. Uh, anyway. But, yeah, I'm so humble. Thank you. Um, but if I'm singing hymns, doors are open, earthquake happens, my chains fall off. There's even a song that says this, chains fall off. Chains are broken. Chains are loose. Boom. Earthquake happens. They're gone. Doors open. It seems like this is what God would want, right? 
this jailer was like, um, okay, I'm about to kill myself because right now they're going to come looking for me. I, all the prisoners are gone. I'm done. My life is, my career is over. This is my job. Instead of them humiliating me, I'm going to just go ahead and take my life. Keep going, Paige. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are don't kill yourself. Don't harm yourself. I'm still here. Paul, everybody else is gone. I'm still here, correct? No. What, Paige? We are all here. We, just the disciples. No. All. Because if you read just a couple verses up, all the other prisoners were listening in on them singing out to God and praying out to God. So Paul says, all the chains are gone, but we are all still what? Here. Don't harm yourself. Keep going, Paige. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke to the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Put your hands together for Paige. So here it is. This is, this is, is one of my favorite stories, man. Because it amazes me in this moment, the we in this. Because we're talking about friends, and we've talked about family. This guy's entire family, in that moment, there could have been, it doesn't talk about if he had children. It doesn't talk about if he had a wife. It doesn't, it just says his entire family was saved. But his entire family didn't know they could have lost their dad, their husband, because he would have committed suicide if they would have left. If Paul had the opportunity right there and that those jailers would have left, that family would have had a different story. They would have had a funeral for their father, for their uh, 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 their husband. It doesn't matter. Like their entire like story would have changed if Paul walked out in a. Uh, the prisoners left that jail. But because they decided to have this confidence, not in themselves, but in God, it changed not only Paul's story, but it changed the story of a household. Confidence is different than conceited, being conceited. Conceited is believing in yourself, and this world will tell you to believe in yourself. Believe in you. Be all that you can be. You, you, you. Confidence is believing in something else. Like, you, I didn't see nobody in here. When you flop down in that blue chair, none of you checked the bolts on that chair. Nobody checked the manufacturer like, oh, my, this is from Taiwan. Let me see who made this. You had confidence that that chair could hold you. Conceited is believing in you. 
Confidence is believing in something else. Confidence is believing. So where is your confidence placed? Confidence with Paul was is in God. I love it. Like he's praying to God in this moment, beat up, flawed, um, clothes are torn, and he's sitting there praising God in this dusty old jail, praising God, bleeding, and like, I know God still loves me. And that's why this jailer comes in trembling like, I want the God that you have. You didn't leave when the doors opened. You didn't leave when, like, throughout the night, like, man, these prisoners have been listening to you. Like, they watched you. I want what you have. And matter of fact, I just don't want what you have. I want my entire family to have what you have. I'm going to take a prisoner. That's like a jailer. Like, listen, I know you committed a crime, but I'm going to take you to my crib and meet my family. Confidence. Before I wrap up, I'll tell you about this confidence I have. I told this story, I think, a couple years ago when I first got here. Where's Tommy at? Tommy, come here real quick. This story right here is one of my favorite stories. Stand right there, Tommy. Get over here. My kids... They probably heard the story a hundred times. So I pretty much tell it. Because I it's one of the scariest stories I've ever been in. But I had to have confidence. There's this, you know, as a youth pastor, I didn't get paid at our church. So I had to do other jobs outside of our church, and I had to work at this place called Youth Build. And Youth Build. I had to work with individuals who had dropped out of high school. And a lot of them dropped out of high school, and, and most of them really didn't really drop out. They got kicked out. And a lot of them was like 18, 19 years old. Uh, a lot of them had criminal history. And uh, remember the guy I told you got shot in the arm? Um, Youth Bill was like this construction program, and they brought me in to do this thing called mental toughness. I had to be, like, look at me. I mean, I know. Anyway, I had to wear a suit and a tie and come inside this group of, like, 40, kid, uh, 40 teenagers, young adults, and, like, see who was built mentally strong to go through this program, to, like, see who was ready to get through this program. And I had to, like, run them around these big hot fields. And who was, like, going to, like, because they was about to pay these young people to go to school. So I had to talk to them, like, strong. It's like a real, like, boot camp. I ain't no boot camp person. I'm nice. I'm supposed to encourage people. I'm supposed to be uplifting. I'm a youth pastor. And all these guys that come into the program are tough. They've been kicked out of, like, like, they've been kicked out of, Public school, and it takes a lot. Like, public school be trying to keep them in. It takes a lot. And some of these guys, it's 40 of them in there. They stacked in there, 
and then and they won't even be quiet. The first day of the class, I'm trying to get them to be quiet. Hey, hey, I'm using my deep voice. Hey. They still talking. Some of the girls won't even respect me. They got tattoos all on their face with the um, teardrop. They didn't kill people. Like, I'm like, hey, girl, sit down. They ain't nobody listening. First day, I'm like, how do I get these? I'm trying to, like, knock over tables. Like, I'm trying to, like, what do I do? Everybody, nobody listening. And then this guy walks in. First day, he walks in about Tommy's side, walks in. They just be quiet. And I thought it was me. Like, I'm trying to get them to be quiet, and they just be quiet. I'm like, hey, they be quiet. I'm like, oh, it worked. But it was the guy. He walks in, they be quiet. And then we finally pass me, and he goes right to the back. And there's somebody sitting in the seat. He doesn't even say anything. And they just, he looks down at them, and they just get out the seat, and they move, and he sits there. I'm like, oh, he must be. He must be the man. I'm like, okay. So he sits in that seat, and we get going in class. So like three days, we doing exercises and all of this stuff and whatever. We get to this field, and we go start running outside. And we running up and down this large field. Boom, up and down the field. And this guy, his name is Stewart. How can you be big and bad with a name like Stewart? But his name is Stuart. Everybody say, hey, Stuart. <laughs> I'll pick it up. Uh, his name is Stuart. So stay here, Stuart. Finally, as we running up and down this field, Stuart gets to a point and he says, Mr. Robinson, I'm not doing this no more. I knew if Stuart wasn't going to do it, the whole class wasn't going to do it. And guess what happened? When Stuart said, I'm not doing it, guess what the whole class did? Stop, too. I'm like, oh, I didn't lost the whole class. And everybody was like, yeah. I'm like, Stuart, you're going to run this course. Everybody's waiting. See what Stuart do. He's like, I'm not doing it, Mr. Robinson. I'm like, Stuart, you about to run this thing. And I'm standing right here, turn towards me. Say no. no. Stuart, you're going to run this course. Say it again. No. And everybody really gets silent. I'm like, oh, shoot. I don't know what to do. Just to let you know. On Stewart's arm, he had the state of Michigan on his arm. And on the state of Michigan was tattooed on his arm where he had gotten shot was the city of Flint. So he had gotten shot and he had, the, he had tattooed on his, around it the state of Michigan. That's he had gotten shot. And so his idea of a cool tattoo is to get the state of Michigan tattooed around his shot wound. So in my mind, dressed hot in this hot weather, this youth pastor who had no idea how to do this job, I'm feeling like if I lose him, if I don't lose, lose my authority with him, like I'm going to lose the authority with all these young people. So now my confidence I have to have in this God, like God, I know you're with me. I know I'm here for this moment to save these young people, 
So I'm like, Stuart, you need to run right now. And all these young people are watching me have this moment with Stuart. So guess what Leo Robinson does? I take a step towards Stuart. Stuart, run. I know one more step, I'm about to be in what's called the swing zone. Y'all remember the, the story when I was, flashbacks are coming in my mind right now. Say, Stuart, you need to run. I am now in the what? Y'all know, y'all with me. So everybody's watching right now, just like y'all watching. So I know with the confidence right now that I am in the swing zone, and I know that I am about to die. I know it, but I'm like, no matter what, I got to win this moment with Stuart. And I go, this is like, I don't know what's overtaking me in this moment, but here it is. I take another step. Stuart, you need to run. No. I'm looking Stuart in his chest. And this is the crazy part. There's some old man, because his field is a street, and there's this, like, row, I mean, a row of houses. And there's some old man sitting on his porch watching this whole interaction. Guess what he says out loud to me? Leave that boy alone. And this is where I feel I need to shout at an old man. I'm trying to save his life. This is when I started yelling at the young people. Y'all get to run. I knew I was in the swing zone. And Stuart had this swung on me. I'm still living. I'm still breathing. Stuart got a tattoo with a shot wound on him. And I'm in a school. I'm a youth pastor. And I'm still like right here this close. Stuart has all the world. And this is what Stuart does. He takes a step backwards. Take a step back. Says, Mr. Robinson, you too slow. Get away from me. And I do this. You need to run or get off my field. I say, I'm trying to save your life, Stuart. Y'all need to run. I'm trying to save your life, Stuart. And I look up at Stuart, and guess what's happening to his eyes? I need Stuart to me to be in this program trying to really save his life. Let's give a clap for Stuart. Say this real quick as we close. That confidence didn't come from me. There's no way in the world I will pick a fight with Stuart on any day. 
especially in those seats. There was no need I was ready to wrestle with stewards in a seat. But that confidence was coming from me trying to save his life. After that, Stewart started running and gained the love of his uh, team, his fellow students, uh, fellow companions, whatever you want to call them. I gained the respect of the other people. And he gained access to that um, program. But later on, I started getting calls about Mr. Robinson, can you mentor Stuart? Can you help Stuart? Other people cannot connect with Stuart like you can. Eventually, they end up kicking Stuart out because other teachers couldn't connect with Stuart. Eventually, Stuart ends up getting shot and killed outside of it. All that to say is, That moment that Paul was with this individual in jail changed the trajectory of his entire family's life. I love it that he says, we went to jail. We got beat up. We were flogged. We were together. I think about it that I was in that field by myself. What if Stuart had a team? What if Stuart had a family? Confidence. And conceitedness. I don't know if that conceitedness is a word, if I'm just making that up, but being conceited in that moment probably would have got me hit by Stuart. But confidence, Stuart felt that there was something different about me, and it wasn't about me, it was about him. And I knew it wasn't about me, it was about the Father that loved him. Me shouting at that old man, there's no way in the world, I respect elders all day but that old man knew I wasn't yelling at him about him it was I was yelling at him about Stuart who I had confidence that Stuart loved his kids let me pray with you guys like last night hearing some of your stories I have confidence that you love your sisters and your brothers and your cousins and that the enemy is trying to divide you I have confidence in that but the enemy is trying to use you and use that idea of you being conceited and thinking that you are better than them. He's trying to use that to divide you. There's a scripture I want you to hear while you close your eyes and bow your head. Listen to this. Psalms 139, as we pray. I want to pray this scripture over you as my prayer. 139, 13 to 14. For you were formed in inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Lord, our soul has confidence in you. We were created in your image and in your likeness. We were in your mind before we were in your hands. And I just thank you for being a real God who works in real ways with real people like us. That even though we may be in tough situations, we can still be free. And that's where our confidence lies. 
Thank you for giving examples like Paul and Barnabas in situations where they're a, or excuse me, Paul and Silas where a, a jailer can be converted and where they are beat up and seem like they're in tough situations, but a jailer who is in watch, watching them can seem like he is in free position, but they are more free than he is. And he wants to be like them because of their confidence in you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the whatever you have planned for these young people. We know that you love them more than they will ever know. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.